This is Mark Stein. After three years in COVID, Stan, it's time to get out of town. So join me on the 2023 Mark Stein cruise, sailing from Italy to Croatia, Montenegro, Greece, for a full week of sun, sea, and civilizational collapse. I'll have special guests from around the world, from America, Canada, Australia, Britain, Europe, and we'll do all the things you like about the Mark Stein Show and Stein Online, but close up and on water. More details at steinonline.com or marksteincruise.com. The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. To the strains of It's a Marshmallow World, welcome to the eve of Christmas Eve 2022. It is 3 p.m. North American Eastern Time. That is 4 p.m. in the Canadian Maritimes, half past four in Newfoundland and beyond the Americas, 8 p.m. in London, 9 p.m. in Paris, 10 p.m. in Key. I can't do it anymore. I can't uh, since since my medical my medical problems. It's a very revealing symptom. This, if you find yourself being unable to put a sufficiently elongated single vowel in the middle of the Ukrainian capital, consult a doctor immediately. But it's 10 p.m. in now. Oh, what the hell, Kiev? Uh, the 11th hour in Moscow. The 11th hour and a half in Tehran. For all you Newfoundlanders who moved to Iran for the half-hour time zone. 1:45 a.m. in Kathmandu. For all you Iranians who moved to Nepal to check out the quarter-hour time zone. 4 a.m. in Singapore and Honkers. 7 a.m. in Sydney and Melbourne. 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning in Auckland and well into Christmas Eve in His Majesty's dominions across the Pacific. Uh, actually, I think we've, we've had a, we've had a uh, question uh, about my recitation of the time zones. We might as well start with that. Let's see if I can find... Oh, yeah, this is from Lee Dembart. Uh, dissatisfied listener to the recitation of the time zones. Why does your worldwide rundown of the time zones always end, says Lee Dembart, with His Majesty's dominions across the Pacific and never make it to the west coast of Canada and the United States, where I bet you have more than a few listeners? Well, uh, the west coast of Canada is part of His Majesty's dominions across the Pacific, uh, Lee, so I feel we've got that covered. Now, of course, that isn't the case. The United States uh, checked out of that deal a couple of centuries back, so, so it doesn't apply there. But I'll tell you why. I've had this query before. We start with the time zone in North American Eastern Time, which is where Stein headquarters uh, is located, even though I personally am not there, as you know, if you heard last week's show. And then we push out to all those time zones that are uh, ahead of us. As, as I said, it's um, late on 
a Friday night in uh, Western Europe. And beyond that, it's the early hours of Christmas Eve. And then when you get out uh, past New Zealand, it's really quite far into Christmas Eve. And I don't want to cross the international dateline. I would. We, we've done this show from all kinds of places, uh, not just uh, America and uh, Canada and Britain, but we've done this show from Ukraine and Andrew Lawton guest hosted it from Albania before Albania became so fat. Well, not Albania hasn't become fashionable. Our young strapping Albanian men have become fashionable. There's none of them in Albania. Uh, which is why Andrew Lawton had all the women folk to himself, because all the guys have skedaddled and are now living in southern England. Uh, but but we've done it from uh, Ukraine. We've done it from Albania. I would quite like to do the show from what I think of as the Gilbert Islands. But um, <laughs> if you happen to live there and have done for the last 40 years, uh, is in fact now the island nation of Kiribati. What I love about it, here's why, you know, so I say we don't do uh, the West Coast or Mountain Time or Central Time because we're going back, we'd then be going backwards. Instead, we push on and talk about tomorrow and then to say, oh, we've crossed the international dateline, so now we're talking about yesterday again. But I would make an exception if I ever do the show from... Uh, the Gilbert Islands, uh, Kiribati, as it is now, because what's fascinating about that is it is the the former colony, now an independent member of the Commonwealth, straddles both the equator and the international date line. So it's simultaneously, it's yesterday and tomorrow, summer and winter in Kiribati. And uh, that's one of the many fascinating aspects of life in that particular island chain. So if we ever do Clubland Q&A live from Kiribati, uh, then you can uh, expect to hear the recitation of the time zones, including uh, Pacific Mountain and Central Time. But until then, uh, no dice, alas, no disrespect. Uh, okay, what else? Oh, one other thing before I was talking last week. I'm what I should thank all the thousands and thousands of well wishes after uh, my uh, declaration of my president medical wo- present medical woes. As you know, I'm, my doctors have ordered me to uh, stay in France because I had a couple of bad heart attacks um, and. Uh, so I, just by way of explanation as to where I was and what why I hadn't been on telly and everything, I gave uh, a little more medical information. I mean, I'm not really into this whole thing of disclosing medical. In my idea of a good medical bulletin is that of George V's doctors. The king's life is drawing peacefully to a close. That's it. That's about... I don't... All the other info I don't... I find rather intrusive and don't particularly care for. But anyway, uh, I gave a medical bulletin and uh, I was deluged by thousands of thousands upon well-wishers and also people on Twitter. Twitter inclined more to the, the uh, you know, uh, people rejoicing at my impending death. And then I believe there's one guy who thinks the reports of my impending death are just... Uh, fake so he's got some little he's put something on youtube i think it's called mark stein death hoax or something like that um so whether i'm faking my own death or i am actually dying my own death 
which was not a problem George V had when uh, his life was drawing peacefully to a close. I don't think they accused him of having a, a death hoax. But I thank you all for the thousands and thousands and thousands of very uh, kind comments you have. I don't want to. I don't want to return to that particular subject today. But I did like Kate Smythe's letter from Down Under. Uh, Kate writes from New South Wales and says, Mark, you said the French doctors insisted that you avoid stress, such as Clubland Q&A, during your recovery. So why were you doing a Clubland Q&A? Seriously. Having assumed you might have been recovering from a bad case of flu compounded by a lack of NHS care, I was glad to hear your voice, then shocked, then relieved, then annoyed, when after five minutes we didn't hear. And with that update, we'll cross to Canada, where Andrew Lawton will resume with substitute guest host level answers to your questions while I continue my convalescence over Christmas and New Year. Please, says Kate, give the civilizational collapse a rest. The end of the world will still be here in a couple of weeks. And no surprise Boxing Day special with French nurses on backing vocals or whatever else you might have planned. Okay, now you've gone too far, Kate. How the hell did you find out about that? Who leaked it? Who leaked it to you? The Boxing Day special with the French nurses on backing vocals. Uh, this is like that uh, Supreme Court abortion decision leak. We're going to have a big investigation and find out who uh, did it, just like they didn't manage to do uh, at the Supreme Court. Anyway, uh, Kate has a good point there, but I did want... I love... You You know if you've... We've, we've been doing uh, Stein Online for 20 years, and uh, you know if you've been with us all that time that we like the Christmas season at Stein Online. In fact, I did Christmas shows uh, for 20 years before Stein Online even started. So I like Christmas and I like Christmas shows and I like all our Christmas pro our Christmas tales for our time. Um, Sean Phillips and our little uh, Bouche de Noel specials and all the rest of it. Uh, so we would, I particularly wanted to be here just for this uh, eve of Christmas. But let's get to uh, some of your questions and see what's on your mind. Um, I should I should say, actually, before we get going on the various questions, you know, the big problem to me here is somebody put this in the comment section on something or other. Oh, Mark, uh, now you've got a reason to uh, get back uh, to covering uh, all the craziness because of the Twitter files. The Twitter files. The Twitter files, that's a reason to live. That's a reason to get back in the game. Nobody, here's the problem. Nobody who didn't already know Twitter was silencing people on political grounds has even heard of the Twitter files. So if you're like many Americans, if you read the Washington Post, if you read the New York Times, if you watch CBS News, if you watch ABC, NBC, CNN, if you listen to NPR, if you listen to the BBC, you've no idea what the Twitter files are. You've no idea that the Federal Bureau of Investigation put its thumb on the scale of the 2020 US election and basically used Twitter. Twitter was basically a wholly owned subsidiary 
of the FBI during the 2020 election. That's something that ought to be of interest to newspaper men, you would think. Certainly it would be if the FBI had been putting its thumb on the scale on behalf of Trump and the Republicans, it'd be all over the newspapers, be all over the TV. But it's not. doesn't exist. It's funny how... Uh, stories exposing the machinations of an all-powerful state uh, just don't make it, just have no, in, it used to be the sort of thing that a, uh, a reporter would make his bones on, but now it's of no interest to them. Even the biggest story of all, uh, within living memory, the assassination of President Kennedy, uh, it turns out the, oh yes, oh yeah, the, uh, uh, Oliver Stone and all those guys had a point. The CIA was uh, deeply mixed up in it. That'd be a pretty big story, wouldn't it? Oh, no, got no interest in that either. Um, uh, it, it used to be said that everybody could remember the, uh, the where they were when they heard the news that President Kennedy was, had been killed. Everybody could remember where they were when they heard that JFK had been killed. Nobody will remember where they were when they heard that JFK had been killed with CIA involvement because that isn't in the news, hasn't been covered. It's a big nothing of a story, and it's a big nothing of a story mainly because if if you are... Uh, are forced to embrace the concept that part of the U.S. executive branch will actually uh, participate uh, and engage in uh, the killing of a president. It isn't such a big leap then, is it, to believe that another equally shadowy part of the executive branch, like the FBI, uh, is is actively interfering to undermine Uh, the president, as the FBI did through Twitter and other organs in 2020. And and the only reason I can understand the left's, just to be clear here, I can understand the left's silence on all these issues because the left is interested in power and likewise the leftish media. And so they figure that all these shenanigans to uh, work in their interest. So why would you want to bring it up? Let's just pretend that the, you know, the real issues are getting more money to Zelensky in Kiev. Uh, that's what that's what's really important, or climate change, or whatever. So the left is a, what is less easy to understand is why all these poodles of the American right are uh, not interested in doing any uh, serious. Uh, coverage of these issues and and pretending the, the, the pretending oh you know we've just been looking at the late Ron DeSantis is uh, is uh, is two points up in Iowa oh well whoop de doo you're talking as if America is a land where there are free elections this is the difference I've said this I've said this before we're all going over the cliff we're all going to land at the bottom of the cliff we're all going to be there in the rubble. And that's the point at which to argue about who's got the better constitution and all the rest of it. But the difference is the scale of corruption in the United States. The stench of it is overpowering. I happen to be in France at the moment, but when the wind changes direction, I can get the stench over here on the other side of the ocean. It's the corruption 
And so why would you aid and abet that corruption by pretending there's such a thing as free and fair elections? People have said all the polls show, you know, oh, if I'd known about Hunter Biden and uh, uh, and that uh, and that laptop thing, I, 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 I would have been one of the 50,000 people who changed their votes and gave Trump a second term. Oh, really? That's interesting. Uh, and yet... And yet, the, so, so if that poll is correct, the FBI changed the result of, and this is putting aside all the other stuff, but if that poll is correct, the FBI managed to change the result of the United States presidential election, which is a pretty big thing, you'd think. Um, and yet at the same time, people persist on the right, persist, oh yes, this is still, yes, we're still a land of uh, self-government, of responsible government, of uh, accountable government. Uh, and uh, and so I think it's, uh, oh, you know, uh, Biden is uh, looking in deep trouble. I could, uh, have you seen these numbers, the uh, early polling uh, for Ron DeSantis in our... You don't live in a society that has free elections. You live in the equivalent of some third world crap hole. Why pretend that politics is normal? Why not address what's really at issue here? that the most powerful agencies, police agencies on earth, decide whether they're willing to go along with the results of the election. And if they're not willing to go along with them, then they do what the FBI did and undermine them. And here's the other thing, too. If you go through Hunter Biden's laptop, the crack and the hookers... And even the uh, underage nature of some of those uh, sex partners uh, is peripheral to the central reality of it. The central reality is that the family is corrupt from top to toe and have been bought by the Chinese, by America's strategic... Well, you, you say what you want about it, but it's the country that's replacing America and largely has replaced America as the dominant power. Um, now, how did it do that? Well, one way it did that is it bought up the right families. And in this case, the FBI knew uh, for whatever it was over a year before the election that the Democrat candidate was a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Politburo. 10% for the big guy. You think of the stuff that's in that laptop. You know, the underage girls, the drugs, all the rest of it. And you think then what China has on the Bidens. And so if you were really operating in the interests of the United States, you would not be installing the Manchurian candidate. You know, the Manchurian candidate is a great novel and uh, is a great film. The first version with Lawrence Harvey and Angela Lansbury and Frank Sinatra, not the crappy, stupid remake, but the first version. But even then, people, the idea that if, if that film had been premised on on the, the proposition that not only is the candidate a wholly owned subsidiary of China, 
but that the FBI is working to install China's candidate. So again, I say all these, you know, oh, and joining us today is the respected pollster. We did a fascinating poll that shows, you know, John Kasich is uh, very competitive in the New Hampshire prime. Why are you still pretending you have free and fair elections? Uh, it's completely ridiculous. Anyway, having gotten that off my chest, <laughs> off, <laughs> off my, uh, off, having gotten that off my chest pains, uh, let's see what we have here. Brian from Minneapolis writes, Dear Mark, or whoever, whomever, whomsoever is in his place. So the sham January 6th committee is recommending the Department of Justice charge Trump with four charges our people have been saying they don't have a case, and if they do go forward, they'll have a hard time with three of the charges. But we'll find a way to say he intimidated witnesses. How can people still believe that the Department of Justice will do its job when they've been in cahoots with the likes of Twitter and Facebook in censoring and banning conservatives? Well, one reason they can is because too many people... And this actually includes large numbers of conservatives. Don't forget a lot of conservatives. Um, you know, uh, Andy McCarthy from National Review, I like Andy a lot, but he, uh, he eventually admitted, for example, when I was trashing the DOJ at the time of their prosecution and pursuit of Conrad Black, he, he was defending his colleague, doing this thing, oh, well, they really only go after bad actors, you know, which is the excuse of every corrupt judicial system. Again, it's this particular, it's a particularly American thing, the, oh, yeah, we got uh, Al Capone on, uh, on, on tax uh, evasion. You use, you use what you have to hand, and if what you have to hand is a big nothing, well, you get a little creative. And the reality is that most people do not know. I mean, again, these things are obvious. I've said it before about, uh, for example, the uh, the uh, misfortunes that have befallen His Royal Highness the Duke of York and the incarceration of Ghislaine Maxwell. Don't you think it's odd that none of the people who were flying around on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express torpedo island, none of the famous names on that manifest, uh, big shot Democrats for the most part, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, George Mitchell from Maine, Bill Richardson from New Mexico, all these big shot. None of them is in any legal jeopardy over their association with Jeffrey Epstein. The only one who has paid a price for consorting with Epstein among those famous men is the king's brother. Because he's a foreigner. Likewise, the only person, Ghislaine Maxwell, is in jail for sex trafficking of minors, supposedly. But uh, oddly enough, there's not the slightest interest in any of the Americans she uh, trafficked the minors to. You know, it's a corrupt crap hole of a system. And too many people on the right uh, defend what is an indefensible system. The position of the uh, a conservative should be that the Department of Justice has become too big 
that it constitutes a threat to American liberty and it should be broken up. The FBI in particular should be dissolved and replaced with an agency with far more tightly circumscribed powers. But as I said, the main problem here is that they can rely on the media not covering a damn thing about any... Oh, Ghislaine Maxwell, oh, that's... That's terrible. She uh, she trafficked, sex trafficked minors. Oh, that what an awful woman. Let's put her in jail. Uh, okay, yeah, but what about these uh, powerful men uh, that she trafficked, the supposedly trafficked the 13 and 14 year old girls? Oh, we're not interested in them. No, the guys who actually had sex with the 13 year old girl. Oh, we're not interested in that in the, in the least. Because uh, they're Americans. They're powerful, connected Americans. Uh, she's a foreigner, so screw her. Yeah, yeah. Tim Boggs says, <laughs> What's worse, the omnibus budget or <laughs> two heart attacks? Well, I tell you, <laughs> the two heart attacks, Tim, are costing you a whole lot less. This omnibus budget, again, it's an example of how... That's why don't wave that constitution at me. For a start, I don't want a third heart attack. And if you wave that constitution at me, it might well come to that. But one of the defects, obviously, of a, you know, everything else in, in most places, for example, it's, uh, it's the uh, convention that the lower house has control of the purse strings. It's not actually formally chiseled in granite or put in the constitution, but that's just the way it is that where anywhere that has a Westminster system of government, whether you're talking about London or you're talking about New Delhi uh, or you're talking about, as I was a moment ago, the Gilbert and Ellis Islands, uh, that's just the way it is. But if you have a system that writes everything down and yet budgeting can be done just through these random, oh, we'll pick up, we're going to do a 1.7 trillion, oh, I don't feel 1.7 trillion dollars is enough, let's do a 10.7 trillion dollar bill, just to make sure we get all the boondoggles in there. And half the Republicans go along with this rubbish, and it's no, you can't, you can't have, again, we're not talking, again, this is the, so frustrating when you listen to, um, American talk radio, which is the one branch of the media that conservatives are supposed to control. And for the most part, all they do is talk about the horse race stuff, the horse race stuff. And the horse race is meaningless because your horse always gets nobbled just as the race actually gets going. So the two years of buildup are a complete waste of time when your horse is going to be nobbled the morning of the actual race. So we had all this incoming red wave, incoming red... There is no red wave. There never was a red wave. And people in our comment section who said there wasn't, like Diane Calabresi, are perfectly right about that. So, so what's happening? Oh, yeah, well, the red wave... You know, Joe Biden right now is on course for a second term. He'll be brain dead by the day of the next election, but they will still drag him across the finish line just to prove a point to you that they can. There's no point pretending that politics is normal uh, when uh, it turns out the FBI are calling the shots at Twitter 
The FB, these memos are extraordinary. Uh, like the one from the, uh, I think it's the San Francisco branch of the FBI. They're actually coming up with a list of Twitter accounts that they want, uh, that they say have broken Twitter's own rules. And so they uh, politely suggest should be vaporized. There were four names on that account. Twitter obligingly uh, vaporized three of them instantly and sent a fourth one back. Because at, at some point, you know, th this is, again, you've got a First Amendment that says Congress uh, and uh, the United States government uh, isn't going to uh, get into restricting anybody's freedom of speech. And But the FBI didn't get that memo. So the FBI is actually telling Twitter, you've got to restrict these guys' freedom of speech. And we're talk so we're talking about all the wrong things. Um, Kirk, Kirk 05. I don't know whether that means Kirk was born in Ort 5, which would make him a spry young 17, uh, or whether he's the fifth Kirk in the Mark Stein Club or whatever. Kirk says, blessings to Mark for a complete and speedy recovery and a happy and healthy 2023. Question, life after Trump. When will the GOP finally dump him? Trump is the only Republican nominee that Biden or some other Dem other than Camilla could defeat. Kamala. Kamala? Kamala? I've forgotten. Camilla's the queen. Not the... It's Kamala. Uh, <laughs> other than... Some dem other than Kamala could defeat. Aside from being a horrible human being, Trump is a loser politically. Time for the Trumpanzees to cut him loose. Even Lord Black has called for Trump to step aside in his National Post column. Well, I didn't actually... If you're referring to the same column I saw, he was saying that uh, in the end, that is uh, Trump's call. But again... Uh, and I don't, I think stuff like the Nick Fuentes thing is just, you know, if all, if that's all we're going to hear from about, you know, or the stupid whatever he was uh, selling on the internet or whatever. As I said, he needs a second act. He needs a second, if he's going to be in the game, he needs a second act. And nobody's written him a second act. And he's surrounded by a lot of people. You know, he was great. I don't I don't sort of like to go too far on this but uh he he was great in 2015 2016 and he was great by and large the people who rush was inscrutable on Trump because rush doesn't do endorsements uh it's never been something that uh he's he's gone in for and uh, and Hannity's guy was Cruz and Mark Levin's guy was Cruz. And when I would go on Hannity, as I did back then, uh, we, we, you know, the, the way uh, Sean would bind his inclinations to mine were to say, oh, they're both outsiders, blah, 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 blah. blah. And it wasn't anything to do with that. I felt that uh, that that Trump had the issue, which was the immigration and the wall and the lo losing your country, which is basically what's going on, and that he was winning when he talked that 2015 Trump was a winner. Then, you know, three weeks before the election, all these Johnnies 
come lately, like former Department of Justice employee Mark Levin, all decide to jump on the Trump train. Trump then, Trump because he's has a certain weakness in that respect, is flattered by the attentions of big names. So he started paying attention to people he really shouldn't have been paying attention to. And uh, unfortunately, that resulted in the disastrous 2020 campaign. And I said, we're putting aside other things. We're putting aside the fact that it was stolen from him. We're putting aside the fact that the head of the executive branch had the most powerful sections of that executive branch working to undermine him. But you know, he put that guy who got himself a waterfront uh, property in Miami out of running one of the crappiest election campaigns ever. Um, Trump needs a good second act, and he can't do that with the complete asses he's surrounded by at the moment. Um, but, but, uh, where Kirk Ort 5 goes wrong is when said Trump is the only Republican nominee. No, you could have that Biden could be. No, Biden's on call. Biden shouldn't have gotten anywhere near elected, in part because the FBI knew he's a Chinese asset, but also because he obviously, you know, isn't, he's not playing with a full deck. It doesn't matter if you're playing with a full deck, I guess, if the right person is controlling you. So if those are the laws, those are the rules of American election, he could, the most, the, a genius candidate, a fabulous creation, a perfect blend of charisma and insight could emerge fully formed from the head of Zeus and win the New Hampshire primary and roll run the board and all the others, and he will still lose to Joe Biden, even if Joe Biden died 10 weeks after, before election day. Because that they're teaching you a lesson. They control the levers now. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about Trump having to find a judge. You know, they're going to do some serious judge shopping if they decide to bring charges against him. And then you're doing that thing that Americans do too often, betting everything on the judiciary. Because as, as I said to Tucker uh, during one of these tedious Supreme Court conversations, a judge's republic is no republic at all. The fundamental. Here's the thing. You've just been told that the deep state... Uh, was uh, running Twitter as its personal sock puppet. Oh, it doesn't make the papers. Nobody knows about it. The, the response of the FBI to the release of all these emails is the standard. Oh, this is just a conspiracy theory. Really? Are you saying this email from FBI agent, uh, whatever his name is, in San Francisco is a fake? Well, uh, it's probably Russian disinformation. Hmm. Anyway... Tom Lewis says, hi, Mark. I hope you're feeling better and recuperating. There are so many of us who need you to stay healthy. Any thoughts on Zelensky's score with the ruling class in the Congress and Biden's goal with regards to Putin? Are they trying to force regime change? P.S. I know it's not actually Sleepy Joe making decisions. Well, again, it's the blizzard of lies. And I was fascinated. And I'm not really, you know, on the advice of my doctors... 
I'm not watching any news. I'm not listening to any news. I'm not. I check my emails once in a while, and uh, they're being filleted, and uh, and um, uh, and and uh, selectively passed on to me. So I don't, you know, the, the stuff that would discombobulate me is kept away. But I do occasionally these things sneak through and I was interested to see that on the on the front page of the Washington Post a surprising story saying that the experts now concluded that the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline was nothing to do with the Russians. Now if you recall at the time it happened there was all this talk about uh, the assumption was that the Russians had blown up their own pipeline as a way of escalating the Ukraine war and uh, reducing uh, the uh, continent of Europe to shivering in the dark, you know, all this stuff. And it turns out now on the front page of the Washington Post, there's a story that says, oh, no, 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 uh, the, the Russians, there's no Russian fingerprints on this at all. Okay, so the question then is, who did it? And why were the Americans and the Europeans and everybody else so eager to pin the blame on Putin that there was hardly any speculation except on our show and one or two other places about who actually might have been behind the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline? Because the likelihood is, is it not, that it's one of the good guys... Uh, pulling off that operation in order to make the bad guy, Putin, look even badder than he is. Uh, did uh, the Ukrainians do it? Well, the Ukrainians have got more money, thanks to the generosity of you Americans, but also of Britons and Europeans and others, but main, mainly thanks to the gener generosity of, uh, of, of Americans. Uh, they've got far more money than they need for their particular little war that's being fought in Ukraine. So they could certainly afford to fund an operation such as that in the North Sea that destroyed the North, uh, not the North Sea, what the hell am I on about? The, uh, it's, I'm over-medicated, the Baltic, uh, that destroyed the North Nord Stream pipeline. And it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... That makes it part of a pattern in our world that the good guys, like the straight-shooting G-men of the FBI, the ones Sean Hannity is always rhapsodized, I know the 99% of... Um, th those straight-shooting G-men turn out to be the bad guys. That, that's the thing. That is it. They're the bad. The FBI are the bad guys. The Department of Justice are the bad guys. And likewise, whoever pulled that thing off in the Baltic Sea, uh, near that, uh, whatever it is, the uh, is it the Danish island or the Swedish island? It's a bit over-medicated at the moment. But the um, again, that's a the the fellows who did that are another bunch of good guys who turn out to be the bad guys. Uh, I think they're targeting Putin because as long as he's around, um, he's not part of the club. Uh, 
China is to the extent that China's running the club. You know, Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum penetrates, we penetrate the cabinets. So he penetrates the cabinets and in Ottawa and in London and in New Zealand, his guys wind up as prime minister. All these people seem very strange. They seem totally disconnected from the countries they're supposedly representing. They seem instead part of a global, a genuine global ruling class. Uh, Chairman Xi is quite... And because they're all beholden to one degree or another to China, that suits Chairman Xi very well indeed. Then Biden is slightly different because if you penetrated the cabinet, you certainly wouldn't want to come up with a guy like that because he's dead. Uh, but he's wholly owned by Chairman Xi. Now, so the idea of getting, and so all the, as we saw in COVID, the weirdest thing, every Western nation, with the exception of the government of Sweden, does the exact same thing in response to COVID. There's no variations. I mean, there's mild, marginal variations, but people just do all the same thing. And uh, and the result is the fiasco we have before us. And so the question naturally arises, well, what could we do uh, to, uh, to have something different, a sovereign state? And the only, it's only a few Eastern European guys uh, and then Putin who are actually acting like sovereign states with respect to a lot of this stuff. And so they think, I think, if they got rid of Putin... Uh, you would be a lot closer to an homogenized approach to world affairs, which is what they want. So I do think regime change is somewhere down the line uh, what they're thinking about. Let's have we're a bit late with our musical interlude. You heard our um, Marshmallow World theme at the top of the show, uh, the Mark Stein Show Band. Uh, they've played that to open many a Mark Stein Christmas show over the years. It's by Peter DeRose and Carl Sigmund. And I look on it as my Christmas song because I've been singing it for God knows how many years now. About uh, 15 years back. It must be 15 years back now. Uh, Jessica and I uh, put it on record. It's a marshmallow world in the winter when the snow comes to cover the ground It's a time for play It's a whipped cream day I wait for it the whole year round Those are marshmallow clouds being friendly In the arms of the evergreen trees And the sun is red like a pumpkin head It's shining so your nose won't freeze That made the top 40 Well, actually it made the top 41 to be precise and to be honest, but it was outselling the Jonas Brothers at one point. So a couple of years later, we remade it as a disco track. Snow had fallen, snow on snow. Snow had fallen, snow on snow. Oh, 
happy and friendly in the arms of the evergreen trees. And the sun is red, like a pumpkin head. It shines on your nose when it freezes. Oh, the world is your snowball. See how it grows. And that's how it goes whenever it snows. The world is your snowball just for a sun. So get out and roll it along. It's a young, yummy world. Make the sweethearts. A sugar day. Why the spring is late. In the winter, it's a marshmallow world. And as Christmas disco records go, that's a pretty good one. So even though I'm laid up in France, uh, we had to have a marshmallow world on this year's show because we always do. I'm not in the best of voice, but hey, when has that ever stopped me, Maestro? Hey, wait a minute. Are you sure this is my key? And what's up with this arrangement? What the heck's going on? Quand il neige sur notre campagne, que le ciel est tout plein de flocons, avec un petit peu d'imagination, on dirait que c'est du bonbon. Pareil à des œufs battus en neige, ou un beau gros gâteau tout crémeux. Quand il y a du soleil juste au bout. J'ai l'impression que si nous allions goûter un peu aux arbres et aux maisons, ça nous ferait un beau réveillon. Tout comme sur les gâteaux de noces, les petits amours en chocolat. Imagine un peu qu'on est toi et moi, heureux comme ces amoureux-là. Quand il neige sur notre campagne, The very first francophone version of a marshmallow world from 1968, the wonderful René Martel, Ce monde en bonbon, this world in candy. Uh, if you're American or in Britannic, this world in sweets. The French uh, lyric has some nice moments, 
but it puts the rhymes in some totally weird places. I've always liked the middle section, though. Ah, comme tout ça, tout ça me semble bon. All that, all that sounds good to me. I always uh, like the repetition of tout ça, tout ça. Uh, Madame Martel was a big star in Franco-pop and then Franco-country. La Cowgirl Dorée, the golden cowgirl, as she was known. Renée died a year ago. Just a couple of days before Christmas 2021. I can't claim to have been an uh, intimate friend, but I used to run into her every year or two at Soiree Hommage and such like in Quebec. And I always enjoyed uh, brief conversations. Uh, she died in Saint-Hyacinthe, Quebec, where they saved the life of my beloved cat Marvin. And I regret they were unable to do the same for Renee. We will have more music, rather different kind of Christmas music in our uh, now uh, traditional annual Christmas Eve program of lessons and carols. That will be tomorrow, Christmas Eve at Stein Online. Incidentally, when I said it wasn't a big chum or, or anything of uh, Renee's. That's a distinction I hate about the COVID era and that became universally accepted around the Western world almost immediately that the state has the right to make you die alone and after you've died alone will graciously permit up to four people to attend your funeral. So cruel, so entirely unnecessary, so unscientific and yet we all went along with it. Um, you know, we touched last week on the uh, crazed enthusiasm of, uh, of uh, the, the crazed enthusiasm of Canada for, I can't put this in any uh, more sophisticated terms for killing people because that's what it is I mean we talk about things like uh, uh, assisted suicide and uh, and all and all the rest of it but it's absolutely staggering the dis the difference California and Canada have about the same you know population whatever it is 40 million and change and they both introduce these so-called um bills, laws, to uh, enable you to die, basically. Um, medically assisted death uh, was legalized in both Canada and California in the same year, 2016. In the most recent figures we have from 2021, in California, 486 people died using the state's assisted suicide program. 486. In Canada in 2021, 10,064 people died. The Canadian state, through its government healthcare system, is killing people on an industrial scale. It's, it's quite extraordinary, those numbers. Four, 40 million people, give or take, in California and Canada. 486 people dead through the state's medically assisted death program, California. 486, 10,064 in Canada. In 2022, it's going to be a big killer, bigger killer than COVID. But uh, oddly enough, 
Nobody. It's just another one of those things. As I said, it's the common theme of today's show. The good guys are the bad guys. The FBI, the straight-shooting G-men of Sean Hannity's fantasies, are the bad guys. The Department of Justice are the bad guys. Whoever took out the Nord Stream pipeline and tried to pin it on the Russians is a good guy who is, in fact, a bad guy. And in Canada, when uh, 10,000 people are being medically assisted in their so-called wish to die by the state, the Canadian state is, in fact, the bad guy. Uh, so uh, it's kind of depressing the scale of those numbers. Something really wicked, something really evil is going on in Canada and something that we should be paying a lot more uh, attention to. Uh, let's see uh, what we've got in the, the way of uh, further uh, questions. Uh, I'm getting a lot of best wishes to you and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, I, I like that. I'm very appreciative of it, but it's not really a question <laughs> I can answer. So I'm actually going through those and filleting them out. Um, Dear Mark, says Bryce Goodman, I hope you're getting excellent care in France and that someone has snuck in a first-rate bush de Noël to the hospital for you. I'm not going to wave the Constitution at you. I just want to know if you think the Republican Party can do anything right. Oh, I thought it was a Bush to Noel question. And it's a George W. Bush to Noel question. What kind of power lock does Mitch McConnell have on the party? And why is Ronna McDaniel treated also as irreplaceable? I'm so sick of this. Mitch McConnell just said that Ukraine was the number one priority of the American government. Not the border, not unemployment, not the fentanyl crisis, Ukraine. Why do you think both parties want to destroy what's left of America? Yeah, I don't think these are... There's no point to... This is why the horse race crap peddled by these, the post-Rush uh, and frankly rather pathetic uh, talk shows of America is just not where... It, Rush, Rush had a thing, a trick he did, that was... I would commend any of the uh, talk show guys who've succeeded him to take note of it because what he would always do is he would always take that day's headline and connect it to the larger underlying issue. What we have here, as I've said, you know, we have at the moment, the big problem is the good guys are the bad guys. That's that's the terrible reality of the FBI, whoever blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, uh, the Canadian state gleefully killing thousands of Canadians. Uh, but to put it, uh, put, to put it another way, these people have hijacked politics. Politics is uh, Charles Krauthammer and I had a conversation about this not long before he died. Politics is the point of politics is to enable life. It's not an end in itself because frankly, you know, the, the personalities aren't that engaging or likable or interesting. Uh, but it's necessary to enable life because as Charles put it, uh, if you get the politics, Germany had the most advanced culture 
uh, on the planet in the 1920s in terms of science and art and literature. Uh, but it got the politics wrong, so none of that mattered because it turned into a complete hellhole. Uh, and that is that is the uh, so, so so it's important that you, that the, we understand the purpose of politics, which is enable to enable life. Now we have politics that has become totally disconnected from the realities of Americans. Most people, whether they're pro-Ukraine or anti-Ukraine or indifferent to Ukraine. Do not think it should be the number one priority. I mean, for a start, it is a money laundering operation. There is no accounting for where this money has gone. So, for example, if you wanted to use money to assassinate uh, the daughter of that Russian oligarch who, whose car got blown up in Moscow a couple of months back, then sluicing it through Ukraine is the best way to do it. Likewise, if you want to blow up the Nord Stream pipeline, sluicing it through Ukraine is the easiest way to do it without leaving any fingerprints. Now, as Bryce Goodman points out, there are there is unemployment. There is the border. There is the border. We've just seen the government of Arizona fold, cave, after a week ago it was sued by the United States government because it's been using uh, containers, uh, basically boxes, to fill in the gaps in their border wall, because the lack of a border wall is stressing the border communities in Arizona. That's true, and it has been for some time, and I've spoken to farmers down there who lie awake at night listening to God knows who coming across their dooryard uh, and heading north and who knows where. And uh, I think it would they should have at least fought that case all the way to the Supreme Court instead of the pussy uh, Arizona pussy Republicans folding and saying they'd remove the containers. Uh, likewise, the fentanyl. Likewise, the fentanyl crisis. The open border kills Amer American life expectancy under Joe Biden has fallen to its lowest since the last century. These now again, it's one of these stories. No, oh, nobody. Yeah, we didn't see that. So, yeah, I think there was a mention of it, but uh, we don't know why it is. Is it something to do with co? Is it long COVID? Long COVID. Long COVID is collapsing American life expectancy rates. Right? So that's most likely the explanation. Yeah, nothing to do with fentanyl. Don't think that for a moment. Don't think that your government. Is, uh, is is basically the business partner of the people who are killing Americans. Yeah, we're going to... Don't worry about it. We'll, uh, we'll leave the light on for you at the border post, and then you just come chugging on through. No. This, if there ever were a time for a, an effective, responsible opposition, this is it. But it's, it's a game, it's a closed shop, and the Republican Party are playing the role of those parties. They had them in many of the communist regimes where people remembered it was different in Russia because, you know, they hadn't really had functioning multi-party politics. But after the Second World War, a lot of Central and Eastern European countries had as much experience of functioning multi-party politics as Western Europe had had. And uh, so when the communists came in, they'd often maintain some FACO, you know, pseudo-opposition party whose job it was to lose 
and, uh, and just maintain the facade that there was a choice at election time. And the Republican Party is coming increasingly to resemble uh, that. Uh, let's... Uh, <laughs> Toby Pilling says, hi, Mark. Speaking of long COVID, as we were, how many long COVID cases do you think might actually be vaccine related? Yeah, I I, uh, I like the way now all the, oh, yeah, yeah, people, are, it's hard to cover up all the myocarditis that's around. And so it's interesting to me that instead people have been... Um, so, oh, yeah, long COVID cases, of course, is that. Oh, really? What about this Guillain Barre syndrome that a lot of people are coming down? Oh, yeah, uh, that's long COVID too. They're going to use long COVID to explain the permanent increased uh, excess, the excess death numbers that are up to like 15% as a permanent fact of life. I mean, this is the thing. This is how bad it is. These, the, the, we have, and this is why something like the decision suddenly not to report, oh, Kennedy, 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 year in, year out, through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Uh, now we actually have an interesting tidbit of info. Oh, no, we're not interested in the Kennedy, because it underlines the point that there's a, there's a point at which the state crosses over into murder, into cover-up of murder, into all kinds of things. And it's getting worse uh, on that front. Long COVID will be, uh, long COVID will be to, uh, to blame uh, for everything. Uh, Chris Kinney says, I joined specifically to thank you uh, for your kindness to Kathy Shadel. She was a friend and correspondent for many years. To know that you helped her in her last days is a great comfort. Please get better yourself and Merry Christmas. I don't know that I was a great comfort to Kathy in her final day. We talked on that last day I saw her. We had a, very, a fairly substantive uh, conversation about God and the hereafter, but she was very fierce and confident in her faith, particularly in those final days. And Kathy was, one of Kathy's great qualities was that she, she had tremendous honesty, which was, which was why the, the kind of rude jokes that that a a, um, a, 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 a a usual pontificator would that would rise unbidden in the gullet, but uh, there's a mechanism. That, oh yeah, no, no, I won't actually say that because the Toronto Star might not call me and ask me to write a column again. She didn't care about any of that. She <laughs> Uh, she was just like fabulously honest in in that way, and I I I can't believe we're coming close to the second anniversary of her death. She is very vivid to me, very vivid because she 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 was a person who was who was full of life uh, to a degree that I only have to read. Sometimes I'll look up one of her film pieces or one of her Ed Anger columns for whatever it was, whatever supermarket tabloid that was. 
And uh, just, you know, five lines of hers will have me feeling better. She, she was a, a, a great uh, lady. Um, uh, let's, uh, let's see. what are we, We're getting so many. Pete, Pete Procopio writes, Hello, Mark. How is it possible to be Catholic and support abortion, support abortion? From what I can gather, there's a half-hearted attempt to rationalize these seemingly mutually exclusive beliefs by saying, quote, while I believe it to be true that we should not abort babies, I don't want to force other people to believe what I believe to be true. Does that sound about right? Have I been misled for 40 years or missed some new papal dictate. I'm finding it harder and harder to understand the ever-changing progressive world. There seems to be no limit to the flexibility of progressive principles. Well, I think that was the way John Kerry put it. Oh, well, if, if you ask John Kerry about abortion, he'd always, oh, well, of course, I'm personally, passionately, passionately, personally, 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 passionately, passionately opposed to abortion. But I would never let my personal, passionate, passionately, personal, personal, passionate beliefs interfere with a woman's right to choose. You know, uh, we talk about... Uh, the limit to the flexibility of progressive principles, as Pete puts it. It's a, often it's a power thing. For example, the U.S. cardinals who do not deny the sacraments to uh, these crazed uh, pro-abortion politicians. You know all the famous ones, the Kennedys and the Nancy Pelosi's and the Joe Bidens. Um, and they're playing a power game, too. They're concerned that they would be marginalizing the church if they were to pick a fight with the Pelosi's and Kennedy's and Biden's on this issue. And that's, you know, that's a lot of what it's, that's a lot of what it's about. I, I happen to be in France at the moment. France is the French world. You know, France is the first daughter of the church. And um, as you know, those of you know, I can't, I can't believe, for example, because you see similar phenomena throughout the Western world. But in France, it's particularly stark because the, the state owns all the churches. That's the, the buildings are owned by uh, the state. So you don't have that thing um, that happens in, say, Britain when a uh, Church of England church closes and they sell off the building and it becomes a pretty decent fish restaurant or a gay nightclub or whatever, or a mosque. In, in, uh, in, in France, the buildings remain and they become used for, you know, community. So you have a bit, and I'm always discomfort, you have a beautiful medieval buildings with fabulous acoustics. And they're used for an occasional choral concert, you know, just before Christmas, where, uh, as we heard last week, Il est né le divine enfant, some choir comes around and we all go. In. But the church inside, the altar, the pulpit, feel dead. What happened um, 60 years ago is uh, there was, you know, there were, I think it was something like 27% of uh, French, uh, French people went to mass every Sunday. Almost overnight, 
In fact, almost literally overnight, 1965, it collapsed to 2%. And, you know, that's due in part, I would say. I mean, experts in French Catholicism may beg to differ, but that's due in part to the fact that uh, the liberal reforms of the Catholic Church are almost as a matter of logic, incentivize the idea of what Americans call cafeteria Catholicism. It's not the Catholic Church you grew up in with its unbending, unchanging rituals. It's changed. And the fact that it's changed and changed this and changed that enables... So, so it's changed A and it's changed B... So it's not a surprise then that uh, French Catholics and other Catholics change their attitudes to C and D and E and F. After all, once you put a few things on the table uh, and put them up for grabs, it's not a surprise that. Uh, and I say this as, as I said, I say this as uh, as an Anglican for whatever that's worth. But I make the but I make the observation that the catastrophic, almost overnight collapse in French Catholicism. Now, it's, in America, something more gradual has happened, but I think it arises in part from the uh, the same uh, condition. As I said, the the logic of cafeteria Catholicism, uh, that if you change certain things, why not change others? And that's why I think, I mean, no one has gone as far as the Americans, which is that, you know, Nancy Pelosi basically is in favor of infanticide. Joe Biden is in favor of infanticide. There's no point sugarcoating it. You know, uh, Canada may be killing thousands of old people every year, but if you kill... Uh, if you have the abortion mills that the United States does, you're, you're in no position really to point uh, point fingers. That's a really terrible uh, question uh, to end on. Um, uh, I su- Elisa Angel uh, says, uh, I suspect we won't be hearing I'll be home for Christmas today. What Christmas music do you have in store for us? Well, no, uh, you won't be hearing I'll be home for Christmas because I uh, got a certain antipathy toward that song for reasons I will explain uh, some other time perhaps because it's not a particularly uh, uh, Christmassy thought to end on. Um, But uh, yeah, we will end with some music. By the way, as I said, don't forget uh, carols and lessons tomorrow, Christmas Eve at Stein Online. We had such nice reaction to uh, my doing it last year that we decided to do it all over again this year. But uh, uh, a bit more music for today to close things out. This one comes by way of request. It's me with the band and the ladies a few years ago. Uh, I should say that my version of this song was a top 40 hit in Moldova. Uh, Just the nether regions of the hit parade, number 37 or whatever it was. But I want to say, as I should every Christmas, thank you, Moldova. And as they say in Moldova or uh, Bessarabia, as I still think of it, uh, what is this? Crassion? Let me see if I can get... (laughs) I'm mispronouncing this because my brain is fogged with medications. Uh, But uh, uh, something like uh, Crassion Ferrich. (laughs) 
for Christmas Don't want Pokemon 3D Cause I don't care about those presents Underneath the Christmas tree I won't make a list and send it To the North Pole for St. Nick I won't even stay awake To hear those funky reindeer click Cause I just want you here tonight Holding on to me sometimes What more can I do? Uh, baby, all I want for Christmas is you Christmas, I won't even wish for snow Cause I'm just gonna keep on waiting Underneath the mistletoe I don't need to have my stocking There upon the fireplace Santa Claus won't make me happy Till I see your smiling face I just want you for my own And all the love we've ever known All I want for Christmas is I just want to see my baby standing right outside my door Cause I just want you here tonight Holding on to me so tight What more can I do? All I want for Christmas Stand well back and make sure you've signed the liability waiver. Make my wish come true. A baby all I want for Christmas is Let's have a small finish, soft and romantic. So just remember, I'd like you for Christmas. What more can I do? All I want for Christmas
Kevin Amos and the Mark Stein Show Band with Mary, Emma and Janet on backing vocals and yours truly taking the falsetto out for a spin. If you'd rather hear the girls without me in front getting in the way and hogging all the limelight, well, they have two fabulous numbers lined up for us on our Christmas Eve program of Lessons and Carols. Uh, That's coming up right here at Stein Online round about 10 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, uh, which is 5 p.m. North American Eastern on December 24th. Hope you'll join us for that. Stay safe, stay free, stay well. Stein's Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. rights reserved.